Hello, Fight fans, and welcome to the Hollywood Brunettes Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Matt, the store brand Keanu. Alongside me is my tag team partner, the Danimal. How's it going, Matty? All right, Danimal. Just imagine for a minute that you are Tony Khan. What decisions would you make? How? What trajectory would you want to take your company on at this point in time? Well, I think the first is something that they've already taken a few steps towards. And that is, we've got our beloved Hangman Adam Page into the main event against Kenny Omega. I think the time is finally there for Page to take the title. I think think we've earned it. I think this is the moment. But what I'd really like to see is Kenny Omega get a bit of a refresh. I think the Bucks... And um, Adam Cole are still an amazing group, but I think Cole's kind of slid into that frontman role. And I think it's time for us to get something different with Omega, a little bit of a refresh. You know, if it's he breaks away and just wants to do the workman thing, something like that. But I think I think when you got the best wrestler in the world, you got to kind of keep him fresh, especially when he loses the belt. Give him, you know, the one rematch or something. A, a great banger like that but then i want i want something new for for kenny i love it that that's first thing my mind went towards too especially with the emergence of adam cole uh, going over with that fan base in particular just i think he slots in so well to kind of be the leader of that little modern day click and um also i think that now you're getting more of these casual fans and or just folks really interested in the hype of AEW the best way to showcase like how great of a wrestler Kenny Omega is is to kind of put him out on his own and just have him go to work and kind of have to rebuild being the belt collector you know because right now that's the whole thing if you're being introduced to it now as it's like just really reaching the national stage on a regular basis um, all you know him as is the guy who has a bunch of belts but he barely wrestles and, you know, he has good mic skills, but he's there's nothing about when Kenny Omega speaks that commands your attention. So to actually see him have to kind of start from scratch again, like get humbled by Adam Page, get, you know, double crossed by, you know, the Young Bucks and uh, Adam Cole and to just kind of start over. And it works out so perfectly now that you got all these WWE cast off guys who are on all these win streaks. Because now you can schedule uh, Kenny Omega taking on CM Punk and take him out. You can schedule Kenny Omega, the rematch with Daniel Bryan, who will probably defeat him at one point. But you can get the rubber match and, you know, have him get one over on him for a change and really just build him back up in that way, just as like a traditional babyface in a sense. And I think that would work, especially if you combine it with that workman kind of world tour you were talking about as well. Okay, so real quick, we both touched on him, but we haven't really gotten the chance to talk about him much. I didn't watch him much on NXT. What are your thoughts on Adam Cole? That's a great question. Um, uh, My first impression was, like I said before, was physically the first time I saw him, uh, I knew exactly why he never went over in Vince's crowd um, because physically he's just not that imposing uh, or frankly impressive not which means nothing for wrestling ability that's just purely appearance which is everything in wwe um i 
really have no idea like how he got over so fast in AEW. Um, and admittedly, I know very little of his his background with NXT. Um, I believe, you know, I know that the rumor was going on forever of him jumping ship. So maybe that was part of it was just the anticipation. And I know people absolutely love his entrance, which is pretty damn cool. But I don't see I see him his in-ring ability as somewhat comparable to like a CM Punk. And I've always considered CM Punk to be kind of like a, a B plus range where he's very, very good, but nothing ever really blows me away that he does. But that's just my take. And that's based on very limited selection. Okay. No, I mean, cause I, I kind of felt the same way. I know he was kind of in the, in the bullet club pre uh, NXT, which is part of why he, you know, came back and joined the elite. But yeah, I got to say, I, I feel the same in that he is so over. Like, because something like that Adam Cole Bay, it if it doesn't land in a massive way, it's going to be bad. Like, but when he's done it, I mean, he is the crowd eating out of his hand. I think it was like two weeks ago when he was going to, it looked like he was going to do the, the Tope Suicida. And then he just kind of like stops in the middle and realizes he should do his shtick. And I mean, everything about it just killed me. It was such a great smarmy heel, like, oh, wait a minute, I'm the center of attention right now. I bet I can pop the crowd. So, no, I've, I've really been enjoying him. I think, uh, I think yeah, the thing with him in the box, he just seems to fit him more. Like, Kenny, you can tell, never quite had, like, the – well, I mean, dribbling a basketball, we can, we can bring that up forever. But, uh, you know, when you've got the Bucks just strutting to the ring and being so over the top, you can always tell Kenny was, like, the guy. It kind of makes me think of, like, me at any event with dancing. Or like I'm doing the same things as other people, but it's very clearly unnatural and not something I should be doing. Whereas Cole just slots in so perfectly with the two of them. So I've, yeah, I've really enjoyed it. And I think, I think that trio is going to really be able to exist for a while as the, the great heels. And then I think, you know, as wrestling has shown us, I think they'll be able to make the flip. And at some point, if you want to do a face turn, you know, it's basically them just doing the same shtick, except you know, not doing it to other faces. So no, I, I just wanted to get a, a quick take on that. Cause I think that it's been interesting seeing the way that they've kind of distanced Kenny from the, uh, the super elite or the super click or whatever you want to call it at this point. Two things that came to mind when you were talking about that one, I love that comparison to the high school dance basically where, cause I feel you on that completely. It's like in your head, you can picture exactly what you're supposed to be doing and the body just does not follow. And Kenny Omega is already a bit awkward, like with his theatrics when he wrestles. Like he, he's the best wrestler in the world. That this isn't me being critical of him, but he's so over the top and exaggerated with some of his movements. Like it honestly reminds me of like Flash Dance, which is a really dated reference, but just like it's this almost like ballet like performance when he's like gearing up for like the knee or whatnot versus like you see so many of these other guys where it's just such a more natural, like movements, like Brian Danielson, I called him Daniel Bryan earlier, but same fuck. Uh, when he does anything, like it just screams brutality through and through. Like there's no like hint of theatrics versus like Kenny Omega. It's like, he always just appears like a cartoon character, which is Tim to a T. And, and I, it does feel like, especially when you and I started, uh, 
really discussing AEW. Like he's been on this interesting run where he's just like seemingly trying to find and cultivate a look. And it's just not quite, nothing's quite clicking. He's changed his hair color like eight times. He's like done facial hair. He's like gone. He's allowed himself to get a bit pudgy. And I think that was in anticipation of bulking up. He's also gone the other route and went full like leisure suit, Miami vice style. Like, He's just all over the place. So uh, having just a more kind of direct Kenny Omega, I think could only be beneficial for the company. And the other point I was going to bring up was how much of an influence do you think uh, Adam Cole's girlfriend, Dr. Britt Baker has on him going over so well? Cause I don't follow the social media shit, but clearly she's done everything right. So how much does it help that they're paired up and that, she's kind of hyping him behind the scenes. You know, I think, I think it's an interesting question to ask because I think it continues to be AEW kind of letting everyone know they're in on the joke. Um, Cause I think there was the amazing uh, promo where Ruby Soho came out and was talking trash about Britt Baker. And she did the, you know, you're just like every other girl and she listed out and then you're screwing some guy in the back. And, you know, I think it's that everyone immediately is like, oh, this is funny, not because it's like degrading her as like a woman. It's because everyone loves Adam Cole and like they're, you know, a relationship and she's totally, you know, taking the low bridge. And then uh, just because I was catching up, I saw another Brit promo where she just like out of nowhere was talking trash about the Dark Order and talking about how great the super click was, which once again, it's like, oh, is it because they're both heels? It's like, no, it's because her fucking boyfriend's in there. So I think it's just another case of them seeing that their audience knows what's going on. So instead of trying to do like the WWE where, you know, I remember when like Lana and Rusev got like engaged in real life and posted on social media, there was this like backlash that they were like upsetting a storyline where they were supposed to be on the outs. So I think it's just another case of them seeing that, you know, we may as well have a little fun with this. And, you know, down the road, maybe if, you know, a, a warring faction needs to have the, the woman come in, then, hey, we've got, you know, Dr. Burt Baker, DMD ready to go. So I think I think it's just a smart way. But I do think that it probably helped a little bit and just a knowing that, you know, you're going to be putting them both in a position that they want to stick with the company, because obviously, if you're not in opposite promotions as your significant other. It's like, you know, WWE sends you on the European tour while AEW has you working like the West coast. So. So one of the first ones, and I've, I've mentioned this to you before, but um, let's go a bit more in depth on it, but I really want to see AEW establish a hall of fame. I want to see them establish a hall of fame. I want Brody Lee to be the first entry. And then from there, uh, that's where it gets interesting. Because one of the reasons I present this idea is, you know, partially because now they have CM Punk, who I still believe will. He just seems like the guy who's just not going to ever accept the invitation to go in to the WWE Hall of Fame, despite having earned the right to. And I think that, you know, he's a natural fit, particularly since he's inspired so much of the roster in AEW to be in wrestling. I think that there's some of the more obvious like legacy guys like sting who again is another one. Like, I don't know if WWE snuck him in there or not when he was in that limited run, but I I think they did, but I think that's a great point to bring up because it's like, 
how will guys who are already in one or haven't gotten in yet, but it's like, obviously the next one that comes to mind is Jericho. He's the initial champion. He was kind of the defector who, you know, brought that extra layer of legitimacy. But you know there's no chance in hell WWE is going to be like, oh, no, Chris, you burned this bridge. But so And, you know, he's willing to accept it because I think that's where Punk, if not for the fact that they knew that they hated each other, that, you know, Triple H will claim Punk's never getting in and Punk will claim he's never accepting the invitation, so they'll both, you know, stare forever. But that's that's a really interesting thing because I get what you're saying, that Brody... Brody is without a doubt number one, because I think that's just a, a respect and memory thing. But yeah, after that, you know, do you go just punk, punk and Jericho? Do you start doing like some legacy stuff? It's it's a really interesting question. You know, there's one name. Uh, the other reason why I strongly believe they need to do it is uh, Dustin Runnels. Um, I just think that the amount of work that that man has put in over so many years of consistent high level performance and working some of the worst characters ever conceived. And I don't think WWE would ever want to even try to acknowledge that character just because there's no, nothing could benefit that company to bring that back up into the public consciousness in this era. And he played it so well for so many years and was booked so terribly, and he was always the consummate company man. And he's still putting out pretty solid matches, even at a very advanced age, even with some of the worst injuries you can endure. And also standing very much in the shadow of a true Hall of Famer. So I I think that he's more than earned the right to be involved in the Hall of Fame, be known as a Hall of Fame wrestler. And I think that he would be a fantastic entry. And again, I don't, I can't imagine that WWE would ever go that route, even if he was willing to, to participate. Cause I, I see what you're saying with Jericho, but I also see like Jericho, like appear on like stone cold's podcast and actually like still be engaging with him. Like, I feel like he has enough good faith in the locker room that no one would have qualms with him when he finally retires, as long as he's not partnered with AEW, like, coming back and just signing essentially the one day deal like they do in pro sports now where, you know, you, you put on the jer- the hockey Jersey for one day saying like WWE or raw is Jericho, wherever bullshit. And, you know, go from there. No, I think, I think Dustin Reynolds is a great one. Cause it, it immediately made me think and this is probably a, a, an episode for a later date, but like people who should be in the hall of fame, but will never get in because of like the storylines that would have to be visited. Because Al Snow immediately comes to mind for me. And I don't think anyone wants to explain the head gimmick. So, but no, I think, I think Runnels would be a great one. And just, you know, once again, you've got some real legacy with that since, you know, brother's the EVP, dad is an all-timer. And yeah, I mean, he kind of showed up and was just the guy kind of for a while, especially when the roster was a little thinner, that it was like, well, we got some new guy that's kind of raw off the indies. and We don't know how he's going to do on a TV match throw him in there with Dustin. He's going to be able to, you know, drag him to a good match. I mean, when he had the, the bull rope match with Nick Camarado, who's a guy that, you know, is clearly really, you know, still learning in the ring. They got a pretty good match together. So I think, I think you're right. That would be another really good one for kind of that initial class. Yeah. I was going to say, honestly, I didn't even know AEW existed until I heard about his match with Cody, which I heard was one of those kind of like, potentially all-timer well at the time was considered an all-timer match and until their 
where they're at now where it seems like every other night is a five-star match but um but it was it was i remember reading an article of people just saying like you know you really need to be tuning in if you're a fan of wrestling because this was easily a match he could have gone out and taken his boots off and been retired after and had his head held up way high and uh you know he's actually still going pretty strong and uh any company can benefit honestly in wrestling with having a, somebody like that who can like you said can put over the young guys can slot in at a moment's notice doesn't need to have a lot of like warm-ups or dark matches to keep in shape like he knows exactly what he needs to do every night he's so consistent and yeah that to me is a mark for the most part of a hall of famer so it'd be really cool to see him be acknowledged in that regard that's great. So I, I got another one. And I think this is this is one that we've spoken to a bit in the past, but I think I think is becoming more prevalent as the rosters are really, uh, really filling out and filling up is that work on closing that forbidden door. I think uh, I think you've got enough talent now that while it's really cool to see some of the matches from a sheer like wrestling standpoint, like I think uh, Minar Suzuki has been a great example of that someone I knew absolutely nothing about. And then I watched like the 25 minutes him and Brian Danielson put on was just in awe. But I think, well, I, I'm entirely supportive of their guys leaving AEW and doing some matches. And, you know, I think I saw that uh, one of their young guys is going to PWG um, for a big match. I, I, I just feel like they need to really focus on their core, you know, their core roster because this whole thing of, you know, bringing in when they had a, uh, the one big Samoan dude go up against Lance Archer. And it was just like, wait, who the fuck is this guy? Okay, wait, the match is over. Oh, wait, Archer dropped the belt already. Like, it was just so much rubbernecking. And it's just like, you know, why not, you know, why not bring in, you know, why not, you've got so much talent on your roster already. And I really appreciate having three hours of TV a week. And then, you know, they're keeping, they have other product if you want to go crazy. But for, you know, you and I who are busy, it's good to have that limit. But I don't want to have two matches with two guys that I have no idea who they are, where they came from. And then they're gone just as quickly. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that as well. Um, I, I just think that it's distracting when you're constantly having to keep abreast of like why certain characters are relevant, particularly um, the best example I think was that one um, we discussed a while, I think in our last recording when homicide appeared out of nowhere and oh yeah the way the announcing crew is like going wild and everything it's like that's always fun but the fact of the matter is like your response to the from the fans shouldn't just be who like and in particular now that like you are kind of getting into more consistent tour schedules and whatnot and you are going to eventually depart i imagine from that east coast where yeah i get that a lot of these guys have gone up and down that corridor so it makes more sense that you can bring in some random person for a random night. But yeah, when, when it's like a pivotal moment in the match and you're like staring at your friends, like going, who the hell is that? And why am I Googling in the middle of a, a death match? You know, it's just not a good thing. And also too, like it just inevitably what always ends up happening is they lend out this talent to help put over these smaller organizations and the talent takes the belt. And then now you have some 
random person walking around with a belt, like your your mid card talent walking around with some belt for some weirdo organization. And what does that do for all the guys who've been grinding in those, you know, gyms and sweaty backyards and whatever, wherever they're doing indie wrestling these days. So it, it just, it's not my thing. I, I appreciate the callback to the hearkening back to some of the old classic, more indie uh, circuits. And I appreciate that they're trying to keep them afloat, but they do have to accept that the more they grow, the more they're just going to absorb them. Yeah, I like it. All right, so what are you booking? So, you know, we've been dwelling on AEW for a while, and it's just so fun to focus in on it. But at the same time, I, the more I focus in on it, the more I realize I don't know shit for how it needs to function. Actually, you know what? There's one more I, I want to add to AEW before there I, because go. I don't want to lose sight of it. Um, they desperately, desperately need to introduce a woman announcer because it is as much as i love the crew when you have you know shivani and jr next caliber and usually cm punk or jericho and or even a taz it's pretty much the same voice you know like just in various different age ranges and so actually getting like a knowledgeable person there like i i've been trying to catch some nxt and like seeing like beth phoenix in there who's still kind of finding her way but the fact that matters that's a brilliant investment because in a few years that's going to be somebody who's solid all around and what they're doing and comes with a ton of knowledge and will just you know probably be one of your feature announcers like you gotta give them the reps you can't just do these special announcer like from one night only kind of thing it kind of sucks and i want your opinion on this danimal do you the first one that came to mind is aubrey edwards just because i think that she's so over for what she does and clearly has a bigger personality than just being a ref but she's also so damn good at it and i don't know which one would be a bigger role in a lot of ways so what are your thoughts on that First, I'm really happy that we're giving Audrey, Aubrey Edwards some shine because she is phenomenal. She really does a great job. And I, I get what you're saying in that I'm sure she'd be phenomenal on the mic, but she is able to do such great like ref selling, like her, her facial expressions, the way she's really getting her body into it. So, And I do think it's great to have a woman in the ring for some of these main events that you know, it's, it's not like some, it's not like it's UFC where you need the whole, like, oh, it's a physical job. It's like, you know, I sent you the gift of Charles Robinson being picked up like a fucking carry on by Brock Lesnar. So that's not the issue. The, the first one that comes to mind for me is I think it's a very difficult one, um, given the family situation. And that's Renee Paquette because she was getting a little bit of, uh, time on announcing with Ross. She, I believe, was the first woman to do commentary on it. Um, I think, obviously, the logistical issue is that her and John Moxley recently had a baby, so I'm sure she doesn't want to hop onto the road with her her newborn. So that uh, that's kind of the first one that comes to mind to me. But yeah, I can't help but wonder if, you know, one name that came to mind, I have no idea if she'd want to do it, was uh, Lisa Moretti, uh, Ivory who was on Glow. I think she'd bring a lot of name recognition. I just can't imagine that she probably wants to go do the travel, but maybe you could have her on some of your bigger shows. 
But I think that's a great point too, especially if you got someone with some experience, because I think it really is great when you hear kind of the like, oh yeah, you know, I think it's always the Taz and Punk, like, oh yeah, and that move right there is going to do this to you. But just being able to comment and like you say, you know, give a different voice. And I think there's also that part where I think, uh, especially JR is really terrified after all those years of announcing with King that like, sometimes I think they'll like make a comment and it's like, oh no, I was just, you know, acknowledging that, you know, she's an attractive young woman and a great athlete, but I think they're also nervous about that. Whereas like, you know, if you've got the female announcer, she can just, you know, make the comment about a few more shots like that. And she may not be so pretty in the morning. And it's like, ha oh, great one, you know, female announcer. Whereas one of the men says it and it's just like, in other news, so-and-so will be taking a one-month leave of absence to, you know, speak with, you know, survivors of domestic abuse. And it's just like, okay, yeah. So I think I think that's a great call, especially because I think their women's division still is a work in progress. Um, you know, someone else that I think could probably fill that role, come to think of it, and she kind of floats in and out, would be uh, Serena Deeb. Because she's got a little bit of, like, the, the journeyman, journeywoman quality to her. She's been in the game for a minute. But I think she also, you know, when you've seen her on the mic, I think she's got that even keel because, you know, you put Britt there, but Britt's going to just be giving a promo on the desk, more like if you had MJF at ring. So, no, I think I think that would be a great call to just mix it up for, you know, I think uh, Rampage kind of has that in and out different people all the time. So I think that that would be a great call. So, yeah, I think I think Tony Khan should steal that one from you. You know, another one, actually, since we're just running with it now, is um i would love it if they booked punk to get absolutely destroyed by one of these young up-and-comers i think that they they're letting him just do his thing i i really get the sense that a lot of it's improv but i'll admit like one of the funniest tweets i saw about punk and AEW was in response to somebody saying like what are they gonna do with cm punk was somebody responding and saying like well He's going to come out to his entrance music. He's going to bask in the glory of the fans. He's going to get on the microphone and talk for two minutes about how he could do this every night. And then he'll talk about how he loves being amongst the talent. And then he'll walk away and nothing will have happened. And it was like, yeah, that's kind of where we're at right now with CM Punk. And, you know, I get it. They're trying to play him up to be essentially what Christian was when he debuted of being like the, the savvy old veteran who's come back for one last hurrah. But combine that with almost like a coaching element of being like, yeah, I want to mix up with these young kids and show them the way how to do it. But Punk said his best when he's an absolute asshole. I mean, that's literally the only reason people even really know who he is, is because he was willing to just go full into the asshole and I just think it would be so great to actually have one of these young up and comers like really kind of get their big push by finally defeating Punk, who they're going to probably keep as undefeated for uh, what seems like a rather lengthy period of time. No, I think I think that's a great call because it, it is kind of the uh, I mean, I'm sure Punk would hate this, but I think it is kind of like the John Cena problem where it's like every time you'd build up like some monster heel and they'd have all this fire and then they'd get into the pay-per-view for the crazy stipulation match. And, you know, Cena would AAM off of a car or onto a car, you know, and then all of a sudden it was like push dead. And right now they're doing that with punk. Cause it's like, Oh, this great young guy. And then it's like, but he got the, 
he got the handshake he got the head nod and it's like but what is punk you know we 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 haven't really seen him you know wrestle anyone on the very top so it's not like he's a measuring stick like you know if it's kenny omega or even you know i think uh alistair black recently had a match with i believe it was dante martin and it was a great match went back and forth alistair wins because he's you know a fucking badass and they're doing amazing with that but he kind of turned around and does a little head nod and it really meant something because this is a guy you've seen decimated but yeah how long is punk just going to like beat the up-and-comers it's like the coach who coaches the jv team and still like cleans them up but you know that if you went over to the varsity practice all of a sudden that shot would be getting swatted so yeah i think i i love the idea though of it of it being unceremonious kind of like uh not necessarily it was a young guy but when cena just got demolished by brock and it was like holy shit like i didn't see that one coming that yeah if it was like some speedy technical guy you know like a I don't think they do it with him, but if it's like a jungle boy type where it's just like, God, it may, you know, punk's a step slow out there. By the time he figures out what's going on, he's two moves behind, or, you know, obviously a powerhouse could throw him around. But I I think that would be a great idea because I'm with you. It seems like uh, Tony Khan's just really trying to like get the most out of whatever he paid. It's like, oh, you know, I'm paying punk this much. I better make sure I get him. But it's like, you know, I said three hours a week. I don't need 25 minutes of punk between the promo, the do you want to see me wrestle tonight? And then the, you know, I, I know that I always can shave four minutes off of my AEW watch by fast forwarding through punk's entrance. So I think, th- I think that's a great call. Yeah, I, I am in total agreement. And like I say, it would free him up to potentially become a huge insufferable asshole, which would be just a great transition out of this kind of like, you know, victory lap punk that we have currently. Uh, what about you, Danimal? You have any other AEW bookings that you love to see implemented? You know, it's 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 one that it's kind of a rumor I've heard, but I, I think I could be kind of intrigued by it. And that's they've talked about a trios title, and I would really be interested in it because I think you have so many of these kind of like bigger stables. That I also think you could get a little bit of, I don't want to say it's quite the comedy element, but like I remember back when like the Brood and the Hardys were going at it, but they had Michael Hayes as a member of the Hardys. So like he's wearing clothes that just do not look to be his style, but you needed that third guy. And I love the idea of you, obviously, you know, you've got something like the Bucks and Adam Cole and then Jurassic Express has three, but Marco Stunt's one of them. So, you know, is he the guy that's kind of the like, oh no, he ended up in the ring. We got to find a way to get him out. And I think you've just got enough stables going on. And, you know, Dark Order, who I think we all love. I, I just think it could be kind of an interesting way because I know that they don't want to do the the glut of belts that you've seen in WWE. But at the same time, I think it could be a really interesting way of kind of allowing like a faction as a whole. And then if you, you know, do kind of some like interesting Freebird rule where you could have, you know, MJF in the pinnacle you know, mixing it up, but then there's a belt on the line, something that could move around a little bit. So that, that's just something I'd like to see, because I think that while they do a good job with storylines, it would just make it a little easier for someone to, you know, chase a belt or have a series of matches or something like that. I love that idea in particular, because uh, first one that came to mind was uh, Daniel Garcia and 2.0, who everything I've heard about Daniel Garcia apparently is that there's a level that he hasn't even been allowed to reach yet because he's still kind of being held back as like the young up and comer. But um, yeah, like 
that would be a fantastic way to kind of put over this trio who otherwise are just going to be in this weird limbo of like r- essentially just running out and attacking people to get some screen time. And uh, also I love the, the other aspect of it. Like you could always throw in, you know, the big money, Matt Hardy's group. You can always throw in the best friends. You can always throw in, you know, like you said, the dark order that, you know, always in the mix, always great bookings. And quite frankly, it seems inevitable just based on you see some of these team up maneuvers. Like I think that the buck between the bucks and the Lucha bros, we've seen pretty much any combination that two people can do to one human being in a match. So we may as well open it up and have an excuse to see what three people can do because, um, you know, inevitably you're either going to push it so far where somebody gets murdered in the ring or, you know, you're just going to have to accept that it's like, okay, we've, done just about everything now it's a matter of just being really really consistent with it nice um you know i have one that this is maybe just a a wish but um (laughs) we'll see how it goes but i want them to never give mjf a title i want him to be purely just 100 percent what he is right now and I think he would still go over and I think he would still put together a borderline hall, if not hall of fame resume when it's all said and done. I love the idea because I feel like it could work its way into like a stick almost like every time he's in like a number one contenders match, he's got kind of like losing the title PTSD. So it's like every time he's worried about getting like to it and then he just continually is like getting more and more concerned about things. So it's like if it's some like Royal Rumble-esque match, he just like accidentally ends up on the apron and gets knocked off and then like comes up with an excuse or he does like the shitty heel like faking an injury all the time. Because I see what you're saying that it's like, well, there's the obvious thing of give him a title and watch him just be insufferable the idea of him kind of having that be the Achilles heel that he's constantly having to like defend and deflect about why he hasn't won a title. And that, Oh, he's actually the only one with the AEW ring. So, you know, he, he's content to hold that and not be, you know, the umpteenth, whatever champion he's the one and only. So I think that's a phenomenal idea that would just really build with his character over time. And then, you know, it, it would also have the great like protege concept that's, could be every time that, you know, he takes someone on like Wardlow wins the TNT title and like a freak opportunity because he fakes an injury or something. And then, you know, the jealousy just continually costs him like associates. So no, that's, that's a phenomenal idea. Or he just keeps trying to like jump into tag matches or something. Oh yeah. Like there's so many ways it could go and it would only build upon his, his in ring antics because yeah, I mean, there's so much opportunity for the crowd to just dog on the guy, even though he'd just be coming out and saying the worst stuff about whatever city he's in. Just because if he's always just, you know, the bridesmaid, never the bride, it's just going to, you know, I can only imagine the level of interaction he would get with fans on Twitter and whatnot just from that alone. So I don't know. Like I said, it's a wish. I, I would never fault them if they do give him the title because the man's put in the work. I mean, he's, He's phenomenal at what he does. So, oh, I mean, it's kind of the anti Kenny Omega we were talking about, where like Kenny never seems that comfortable when he's in the ring, whereas MJF, it's like you give him the title, and it's like he, he only needs to wrestle once every six weeks if he's coming down to the ring once a week and just being MJF. So, no, I think I think that's a great one. 
Right on. Any other fantasy bookings you have or future hope for AEW? You know, I think I think the last one, and this is, I think this is just me bringing something up that we've said, but I, I think it's time for Jericho to do his first retirement. Because I, I, think, I think we both felt like the MJF one was good, but I think he's going to have a reset. So I, I think if you want to build someone, kind of like we were talking about the CM Punk thing, I think it could be a great case for someone to come in. I don't know if it's really putting a, a shine onto a Miro or an Aleister Black or someone else, but I think if he didn't do it for MJF, who maybe lacked some of the killer instinct, but I, I think, you know, he, he was great on the, uh, the booth. And I think you could put him in there a little bit more and have him do a little bit more of an out of the ring thing. But I just think that's a great, you know, we talk about the long-term storytelling and I think that's one thing that it's like, this American top team thing is bad. It's one of the few things right now that I just think is kind of bad. Like it's the classic thing that having non-professional wrestlers who actually, and people who are really capable of hurting people are really shitty at not hurting people. It was like when Floyd Mayweather was like fighting the big show or anytime Mike Tyson's done it where it's like, these guys don't know how to like hold a punch back. Their whole life has been about delivering the maximum impact. So it's like, I don't know why they have Jericho in this and, you know, or hell, if it was, you know, Scorpio Sky or Ego Ethan Page, I, I would have either of those guys put him down and let them spend the next, you know, year talking about how they're the ones who retired Chris Jericho. But that I, I think that would be mine because he's, we've had a couple laughs with him in the ring, but I think we're not too far from when it could start getting to the, the quarterback that shouldn't have come back for that last year. And I would hope that he does that and then can come back as the, if he's only got to wrestle three matches, give him the year to train, give him the Undertaker deal, give him the Lesnar deal and let him, let him really carry some value before they keep trying to shoehorn him into angles that aren't working. I love that idea. I, I really do. Um, and I think that there's a chance we may see it, particularly as more of the country opens up and, you know, he's itching to go out and perform Judas in live arenas throughout and casinos all throughout the country. <laughs> so um, he just it, it's really hard to suspend disbelief when you see some of the most phenomenal athletes doing some of the most daredevil antics in the ring. And then you have the bloated fat guy whose special move is to throw a, a twisting elbow that really just looks like he's a confused old man, like flailing about and like half the time looks like he didn't even realize he connected because he's just like hoping that he hits the speedster or the, or the massive giant who's charging him off the turnbuckle. Um, I like, you know, how AEW has been willing to allow certain moves to have like be ridiculously off the charts, powerful, the most uh, significant one to me is like the Malachi Black kick to the head that seemingly kills anybody. But for some oh, yeah. reason, Jericho's maneuvers do like plus 20 damage for every every blow, despite the fact that like you've brought up multiple times, he's doing the double axe handle off the top <laughs> rope at this point. Like that's if you're not at the point where you need to like consider hanging it up, that's one of them. And uh, yeah, I just... I do always love hearing him talk. Um, but yeah, the top team thing in particular, it's like, why are you pairing the guy who's way past his prime with some of these UFC folk or 
would still be fighting right now if it weren't for the fact that they've just been at it for so many years that the draw is not quite there and the injuries have piled up, but they could still easily murder you in a truly sanctioned bout. Um, the only reason I think they're dragging that out so much other than obviously like the cheap heat is that they're hoping to poach a few talents. Um, I really believe that Paige Van Sant will jump ship and become an AEW wrestler just because she seems to be the only one who truly like feels comfortable during those promos with just kind of embracing it for what it is rather than doing this weird, like we're posturing as if we're like really like here to like murder you, but obviously we're not going to do it. I, I don't know. I've never liked when they get real fighters involved with wrestling. It just rarely goes over unless they're willing to do the work and very few of them have proven to being willing to do that work. Uh, I think, I think that's a great call too about Paige Van Sant because I, I love the comparison you make. Cause when they walk to the ring, it, it kind of comes back to my, uh, my not knowing how to dance thing where Paige Van Sant, it's like, she's looking at the crowd and she's really mean mugging. She throws her hands out and she's playing it up and being over the top. And everyone else is kind of doing the same where it's like, no, you're just naturally intimidating. Like you don't need to like be standing there doing this weird, like I'm not quite flexing, but I'm sort of flexing. It's like, no, if you're going to do it, just be like, you know, fucking ego page and just be talking about how fucking great your muscles are. And you got the fucking tightest hits in the game. Like that's how you posture, but it's not this like quasi, you know, the, the drunk guy in the back of the bar that's going to intimidate everyone silently. So no, I think, I think that's a great call too, that this is, this is a case of them kind of trying to pop ratings a little bit and maybe, maybe time to put it out. Yeah. I, I'm looking forward to that one to go away. Cause I, I'm right there with you. That's one where it's like, every time it starts, I'm like, ah, this is going to be like a good chunk of programming. Isn't it? Another uh, good way to skip like three minutes of the broadcast though, is you can just skip right through Judas. So. <laughs> I honestly, if it weren't for the crowd interaction with that, I think that they would have probably started making Jericho scarce by now. Um, because you're right, he was such a pivotal figure at the early on with the debut. But um, yeah, I, I really um don't see why what benefit you have to keep him going, particularly when he's clearly outshined by some of his fellow uh, stable mates. Just real, real one more quick note on Judas because I can never stop. But it just astounds me. It's like the one way people feel like they can get on TV. So it's like they are just going to be like screaming it into the mic or like just then broken up with girls singing like want to dance with somebody at karaoke. Just they're going for it in such a big way. And it just it that's the one thing is I'm like fast forwarding and I kind of make sure I'm at the lowest fast forward just so I can catch the people in the crowd just like grabbing towards the camera like they're in like a 2000s pop ballad. So I guess I guess they do have something that works if they're keeping us uh, to kind of watch the crowd. Yeah, that is like the aspect of wrestling in general that particularly with AEW that has a bit more crowd interaction um, than WWE will ever allow where it is fascinating where it's starting to enter that realm. Like you saw with the NFL where there's like all those super fans, they're just like really into being noticed for being fans at the, at the game. Um, many of which have 
from what I understand, end up like abandoning it because they refuse to get paid. The teams refuse to pay them and then they just give up the whole shtick altogether. But um, yeah, like you've seen a few of the instances, like there was that kid that Punk gave the sneakers to that went all in with the uh, Orange Cassidy routine. And uh, that was awesome. It was. It's it's amazing. And it, but it's also like, I, you know, probably a product too of like when you raise an environment where, everybody's filming everything and everything's getting posted constantly that you're more inclined to show up and really want to, you know, go out of your way to be exaggerated and get on camera or be seen, uh, buying into the whole antics of it. So I, I originally appreciated the Judas cause I like the element. Anytime American sports get an aspect similar to like what you see in like Euro league sports with, with particularly football or soccer, where you know you hear the chants and you hear the singing and just the extra over the top crowd in- immersion, I think it's cool. But it's really gone on for a while and it's really, really bad. So, yeah, I guess on that note, the one thing I will say is I feel like it, they've hit the perfect medium for me with Jungle Boy because you've got the crowd interaction, but it's a lot shorter and a lot simpler. Not not so many lyrics, but. Yeah, and it's also the fact, too, that, like, they really, like, the one time that they did the whole, you're not allowed to come out to your entrance music, that was a cool little gimmick. It's like, all right, clearly they're going to still sing for them, and clearly nobody actually knows the lyrics, so they're just, like, going to go through it that way. And kudos to Dan Lambert from American Top Team for bringing that up many a times. But he's, he's amazing on the mic, like. Yeah, he, he's been he's been without a doubt the highlight of this. It, it's one of those things where I get that they had to bring like the muscle aspect out, but I wish it could just be him, Scorpio, and Ethan Page, and he just left everyone out with it because him cutting promos as a heel is really he's he's doing some good shoot stuff. Yeah, no, I, I love it. So uh certainly that part is hilarious. But yeah, the fact that they brought back again the whole like, oh, we're not, we're going to cut your music. Wonder what's going to happen. You know, like it, it's, I mean, I don't know. Maybe they're just adding a segment for a different demographic than you or I, but it's, it's reaching a point where I could go without. I'd like to rather just see Sammy come out and do amazing things and, you know, whatever iteration of Miro we get back eventually too. Yeah, I can't wait for that. All right. Any other final fantasy bookings or uh, hopes and dreams for AEW from you, Danimal? No, I think I think we hit all the ones that I feel like are realistic in the the near to immediate future because I, I will still continue buying all the all the jungle boy stock I can. And I think the the fact that they are positioning him against the Bucks and Adam Cole uh, continues to speak to his uh his future and the fact that they do the whole like the pillars that this company will be built on and every time it's in so no i'd say i'd say uh if they they put our ideas in and i'll be i'll be content for another another year or two and then we can come back and fantasy book some more yeah i'm right there with you all right well thank you so much for catching up with me on aew fantasy bookings and thank you for listening this has been the hollywood brunettes wrestling podcast 